Let's center field. Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Now it, it was it was it was good to watch, but you couldn't understand it. So that was Mark Wallers. That was when he was with the Atlanta Braves. And first thing, I just wanted to uh, 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 thank Natalie for helping me do this, and Mark. Uh, it has been fun for the last eight months when I first met you uh, at the gym, and we've been social distancing. And I mean, everything has been clean and we have been good. So it's been great. And when I first met Mark, I mean, uh, this guy does a treadmill and this guy does the uh, uh, elliptical more than anybody. This guy is working his tail off. And, uh, you know, when you're an athlete, you know, unfortunately, you know, you're used to working out. And there's so many athletes that, do not work out and they become real big and they have a lot of from diabetes and they have problems. And but this guy right here is not going to have any problems. This guy, when I was living in Atlanta, when my career was over with, I was, uh, uh, Bobby Cox was my uh, uh, roommate in, at Syracuse and we became uh, real good friends. And uh, uh, Bobby was a, a little uh, a third baseman and, um, Great guy, you couldn't find, and, and Mark would tell you, he's one of the greatest human beings you've ever met. He, he, he was a, a, a player's manager. I mean, he was, he was the best. He just let you play. You give him 120%, you go out there and you play. Okay, that's the type of guy he was. And uh, uh, when I first met Mark, I uh, started thinking about all the times that I actually saw him uh, with the core four, uh, in Atlanta with Smaltzy, Glavin, uh, Avery, and Maddox. And this guy in the 90s were act was actually the best, uh, probably the best one, two relief pitchers in the game of baseball. Uh, this guy can actually uh, uh, bring it up there. This guy can actually, I, I think, you know, I read, I, I didn't know this, and Mark told me uh, that he, he once got up to 103. That was and, supposed uh, to be my line, Ron. Yeah, you told me that this morning. Thank yes, God. Exactly. You know, thank you. I told you that. Oh, you oh, okay. no, I didn't know that. I, hey, I just, knew, I just knew he could bring up the heat. Oh, he could bring the heat. Let, we could bring the heat. Let's bring Mark in. And what an entrance with that video. We might not have heard it, but we can see it. So watching that video again, what memories are, are coming back to you from that moment? You know, you still, I still get goosebumps every time we, uh, every time we do that, you know, and it's just, uh, just the memories of everything we did together as a team and to, you know, be on the middle of the field, you know, winning the last game of the season. Those are just memories that you'll take to the grave with you. You know, it's, uh, you know, the struggles that we had the years going up to 95 and coming close so many times and then you know, the strike short shortened season in 94. So, I mean, we had a great 
bunch of guys that were hungry that, you know, we had a great coaching staff, a great manager that, you know, Bobby, like Ron said, Bobby was great to play for. He basically had two rules. You hustle all the time and you show up on time and, you know, act like a professional. And that was it. You just went out there and played. And uh, so guys loved playing for him. And, you know, we just had a lot of talent. We had a lot of talented guys that, um, that wanted to do whatever it took to win, didn't necessarily care about, you know, their statistics. And if they got the game winning hit or, or whatever, they just, you know, did a lot of the little things it took to win ball games. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talk about those guys that you're with the core four, Bobby Cox, like hall of famers. So did you know, I heard before doing my research that there's 115 pitchers that recorded the last out in the world series and you're one of them. How does that feel? It's kind of scary. It's kind of crazy. You know, it's kind of neat though. You know, I mean, cause well, every- all the pitchers in major league baseball, 115 and you are one. Yeah. That's, you know, you know, what else is a crazy statistic? One of my buddies, um, that I grew up uh, back home. He's my catcher all the way through Little League, Eddie Joukowsky. You know, he told me, he said, if you, all the people who play Major League Baseball, there's like 19,000 total. And it's like less than, they've filled like less than half a stadium. You just don't realize how fortunate and how special it is to put on a Major League uniform. And, speak, and speaking of the magnitude of that, going back to the early years of your Braves uh, career, you're young, you're 21 years old, and you're already pitching in the postseason. Did you realize how significant yeah. that was then? No, I was one of those guys that was 21 years old and just happy to be here. You know, uh, I wasn't, you know, it was, you know, we had just come from worst to first. We had a lot of veteran right. guys, not a lot of veteran guys, but in the bullpen, there was a few more veteran guys. And being a young guy, you know, I wasn't thrusted into any real, you know, game decision situations. You know, I mean, not that I was a mop up, but, you know, early on in my career, it was just, you know, Let's just bring him along slowly and not, you know, try to screw him up mentally if he blows a big game for us. So, uh, but I mean, I, seriously, I mean, I was just happy to be there. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I was in, um, you know, witness to one of the greatest game sevens ever in the history of baseball between Jack Morris and John Smoltz, you know, one nut in game seven. Came up a little short on that, but just to have front row seats for that was pretty darn awesome. Incredible. And as Javi is like running to you, and that pile up what were your thoughts when that was all going down my thought was i'm standing my ground because we if we both jump up and try to land in each other's arms we're gonna look like idiots so i'm just gonna stand my ground and hopefully (laughs) he jumps and i'll try to catch him because you know if we would have both jumped up like this we probably wouldn't look too well so we didn't plan it or anything it just happened but i knew i wasn't leaving (laughs) that's amazing amazing i love it i love it any stories following any you know parties after you know, it's funny. That was the first year of the wild card. So the extra round of right, play. That's right. So after we won the World Series, you know, a lot of us live in, a, a lot of us at the time lived in a northern suburb of Atlanta called Alpharetta. Okay. There was a little sports bar up there. And I heard, you know, some of the guys were saying, yeah, we're going to go up to the sports bar. You know, somebody knew the owner and they're going to rope off a section for us. And I went there and I think I had one drink. And I was like, I just got to go home. I was just mentally fried. I think a lot of it to do was with the extra round because, the wild card came into play that year. Wild card. The wild card was Colorado, so we had right, to start. Exactly. Two games, we had to start two games out in Colorado against that darn lineup, which was like, I mean, I know there's like the murderers row, but right. the lineup they had in Colorado in that ballpark before they had the humidor and took care of all the baseballs, that was not a fun place to pitch. You know, not only the ballpark with that, but with that lineup. So, yeah. so that was tough. You know, that extra round of playoffs really took a lot out of you mentally. 
Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, so it was just one drink and I went home. That's it. I was just <laughs> Smart man. Time. Smart man. <laughs> yeah, right. Ron, what's going on? Oh, no, no, no. I'm listening. This is fun for me. Are, are but, you, you know, to watch, and let me tell you something. Watching Mark pitch. Ron's thinking about the treadmill because he's going to be there. I don't know, know, you know what I was thinking? Did. Let me he's tell you. About six hours. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you what I did tonight. <laughs> I ate. I went to Kroger's tonight yeah. and got a whole pound and a half of uh, uh, banana uh, uh, pudding. Nice. A pound oh, and it was delicious. <laughs> it was a, the big bananas in it cut up with the wafers in it. Unbelievable. I mean, it was great. So I knew that I was going to get excited about talking to you. And I knew that I was going to work out early in the morning. So I had to eat the uh, banana pudding. I had to, big guy. And you know, I was thinking about maybe going to Publix and getting the red velvet cake. I was thinking about that too. No wonder he goes to the gym, oh my God. Hey, listen, that's the only place we get our birthday cakes for our family is Publix. They make the best red velvet, you know? Oh yeah, key lime pie. Oh, we have a good time down in Georgia. See, it's 30 degrees down here, but you got 40 inches of snow up in the city. So, oh, yeah. no, I got slammed up in Connecticut, slammed, but it's all good. Well, anyways, back to Mark for a second. So you're in high school. You were, you were raised in Holyoke, Massachusetts. You got drafted in, what, the eighth round in 1988. I think you were committed to Maine, but you were drafted by the Braves. Did do so how quickly did you make that decision? In a half a second. A half a second. <laughs> you grow up playing, you grow up dreaming playing major league. You know, when you're in the... You know, the side of your house playing wiffle ball with your right. friends. Your dream is to play Major League Baseball. Nothing against college, but I never dreamt of pitching for the Maine Black Bears or, you know, no, I dreamed of, you know, playing Major League Baseball. And I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. So, I mean, I knew I got a scholarship because of my athletic ability and not academic abilities. Um, but, and I knew college wasn't going anywhere, but the opportunity to, to fulfill a childhood dream was standing right in front of me. And I remember the Braves offered me like, you know, at the time, I think it's, I think we negotiated like they offered me forty thousand dollars to sign. I said no, I want forty five. They said okay, and that was it. That was about it. Ah, you know, I like that. And if they would have said no, thirty five, I would have said okay to that too. You know, but um, yeah, signing bonuses back then weren't what they are today. So I didn't do it for the money. You know, Ron, he'll tell you guys don't do it for the money. You know, we love. The no, game. back then, let me tell you, uh, back then, uh, uh, high school baseball was really not big down in Atlanta. Football was really really big. But what's really big was American Legion baseball. That's yeah. where the scouts were. And uh, that's where you basically made your name. But first thing, you know, you get to the ballpark. And first thing, somebody will say, you know, there's a scout for the Braves. There's a scout for the Brewers or the Yankees or the Tigers. And you get so excited. And, you know, and then you find out later that they're looking at you. And... Mark will tell you that's the greatest feeling in the whole wide world. It's something that we we started playing Little League baseball and we played hard and it was so much fun. And it's not like today where the parents are on computers and they, they, they have lessons, they give lessons to this person and this kid and there's so much pressure. We played, and Mark would tell you, we played wiffle ball. Uh, we played like stick ball. We had so much fun. Not only that. Your parents, and your parents didn't push you. And they came to the game. 
And after the game, you lost the game. That's okay. Did yeah. you have fun? Oh, it was so much fun. It was no pressure. It's not like a mom and dad will say, why did you strike out with a guy on second base? We lost the ball game. Why did you do that? I just paid right. $2,000 for lessons. Why did you do that? Right. And I think of, uh, speaking of no pressure, I think, Mark, you have a son that plays in high school, but he's not too into baseball. I think he's more into fishing. Well, he loves both. I mean, fishing is absolutely his first passion. Uh -huh. And I never pushed him, you know, because I really believe that, you know, if you want to be successful at something, you have to have it in your heart, you know, oh, and, and I never felt like, you know, come on, we're going to go throw a bullpen, you know, I never said no, if they asked to go take that, you know, hey, dad, go throw me a bucket of balls or anything like that. But I never really pushed them because you have to love it. I mean, I, I ate, drank and slept baseball growing up. I knew, I remember practicing my autograph in the second grade. That's what I wanted to do. And, um, but he's good at it. You know, I mean, I'm like six, four, he's, he's 17. He's got like three or four inches. I mean, he's like six, seven, six, eight. He's got a great frame for a pitcher. In the last year or so, he's really gotten more involved and he started taking lessons, um, signed up with the travel team. And, you know, he might be able to, you know, I don't know if he's too late to the party or not, but he's got a great frame, got a couple of great off-speed pitches, you know, his command's getting there. And, you know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't start, you know, pump up my velocity until I was probably, you know, late 19, 20 years old in the minor league. So he's still. Well, that's where you hit 103 miles per hour, right? In the yeah. minor league? Now everybody does it. <laughs> I know. Now everybody does it. Everybody. So have you done a side-by-side -side with you and your son? Is there any, any similarities between the two of you and your pitching? No, not, not really. No. I mean, I think um, like when he was, I think like natural talent and ability and mechanics, uh -huh. he's probably further along in the last couple of years when I, than I was when I was 16 or 17 years old. Um, but I mean, we're down here in Atlanta where they have all these travel teams and perfect game tournaments and everything. Uh -huh. And crazy. You know, they have a lot of guys down here that people look at and, you know, hopefully somebody will see him playing, you know, in one of these tournaments or something and maybe give him a shot at, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Like I said, he, he's got he's got to want it in here. He's got to love it. I know? agree. I agree. You that, could have, and Mark would tell you, you can have all the ability in the world, but if you don't have it here, there's no way you're going to play. And Mark would tell you that how many ball players that you saw in the minor leagues, and when you were coming up, and you look at this guy, this guy's great. Okay. This guy has, you know, I mean, this guy could hit. This guy could throw. This guy could field but he didn't have it here. Exactly. And we don't have it here. Yeah, he wasn't committed. And, you know, there were so many guys in the minor leagues. I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, miles behind this guy as, as far as talent goes. I mean, this guy, you think, you know, you're an A ball or double A. This guy's going straight to, this guy's going to the big leagues. He's a sure can't miss prospect. He's, but then, you know, it's a Saturday night, you're in Charlotte in the minor leagues and you, these, those guys are missing curfews. They're out you know, past, you know, you know, doing stuff they probably shouldn't be doing. And they don't, I mean, it takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of discipline in the minor leagues and commitment. Absolutely. As well as talent, you know, because I mean, the organization, they have ears, they know the ears and eyes down in the minor leagues. They know what guys are committed and are doing their job and not, mm -hmm. you know, taking their job seriously and running around after the ball games and stuff. So they're not stupid. They know there's a lot of money involved. They're not going to invest a lot of money that, guys have put priorities in ahead of baseball. See, Mark was eating steaks in the minor leagues where yeah, I was right. eating White Castles. Yeah, yeah. And, Mark, and Mark was making more money than I did when he was in the minor leagues than I made up in the big leagues. I had to go eat White Castles again. I have to meet, I have to meet some fans 
And uh, I've become real good friends with the fans, so they take us all out to dinner. <laughs> and listen, you, if you busted your tail in New York, your, your dinner was probably taken care of you now. Oh, yeah, no, no. They, Natalie would tell you, you know what I mean? Without they, a doubt. really good care of you. But yeah. let me, hey, hey, there's two things. They will kill you if you don't hustle. Mm -hmm. you. Natalie would tell you, in if New you York? hustle and give 120%, they might boo you. They might boo you, and they probably will, but they still would love you. But if you don't hustle for them, and if you don't care, look like you, you know, you, you know, I mean, playing hard, they'll boo you outside of the, uh, uh, they'll get you out of the city. They'll get you out of the city quick. In two seconds. Not a doubt. It takes a lot for a player to play in New York. A lot. What's that? It takes a lot for a player to play in New York. New York is a different, I mean, they call it the Bronx Zoo for a reason. No, without a doubt. But I'll tell you what, like Ron said, you go out there, show that you care, you hustle your butt off, you give 110%. I, I mean, I was probably, when I got traded to New York in 2001, I was probably maybe maybe the 24th or 25th player on the team on the roster. You know, I wasn't very high up up on the but total. You were there. And you know what? They treated, one, fans in New York treat everybody on that ball club, one through 25. I mean, I mean obviously you're going to have exceptions with, you know, Pettit and Jeter and Jorge and guys like that, but they loved you, man. If you wore those pinstripes and you busted your butt, man, there's no better fans. There's no better fans in the world. I'm sorry. They're just they're incredible. They're really, they're knowledgeable. They're loyal. And, you know, I had a blast playing in New York, man. I really. Where did you live when you were in New York? Mark, where did you live? Washington. Is it Fort Lee or Edgewater? Right over there. Yeah, right Fort Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right over, right over the George Washington Bridge. So I now, when you first went to the stadium, when you first got there, did you go out to Monument Park? No, or, no, you, no, no, you, you, you already played. You already been to the stadium before. You know, when you were with the Braves. Right, I've been to the stadium before, and when I got to the stadium, I got. They told me on Saturday in Cincinnati that I got because uh, I had a no trade clause, and I know we talked a little bit about this earlier. You know, a week before or two weeks before I got traded to the Yankees. Bloomberg the next time Jim, Jim Bowden uh, called me in the office and said the Rockies want to trade for you. I'm like, Jim, I'm not going to call about it. You know, I was I was recently divorced. My daughter lived in Atlanta. I don't want to go west into Mississippi. And then, you know, a week or 10 days later, he said, you know, Jim, uh, uh called from the Yankees. They want they, they, they want to trade for you. Would you waive your no trade calls? I said, when do I need to be there? You know, and this was like a Saturday before the game in Cincinnati. And they said, well, they're home. Um, against Tampa, um, they, they want you there before the game tomorrow. You know, no problem. Got on the first flight, and you know, by the time I landed in New York, somebody from the staff or the clubhouse, or whatever, picked me up. Probably, I think it was Newark. And so I go. They bring me right to the stadium, right to the clubhouse, and you know, the whole team's on the field taking batting practice before the game. So I get in the, I get into my locker. I see, you know, a name above my locker. I see the pinstripes. You know, we never the names on the back of our jerseys, but. Um, you know, to put the pinstripes on the first time. And I remember, I grew up in, remember, I grew up in Massachusetts in the 80s. So I was a huge, huge Clemens fan. When, when I was in high school, that's what I wanted to be. Clemens was God in the 80s when I was in high school. And so I'm walking out to the field for batting practice. And here comes, here comes Roger Clemens walking in from the field. So I'm walking out and Clemens is walking in and I'm like ready to melt, you know. I mean, I got like seven, eight years in the big leagues already. You know, I'm pretty established and stuff. But this is a guy that I idolized. And I'm walking out to the um, to the to the to, out to the field for batting practice, and he's walking in, and he opens up his arms and said, "Hey, Mark, man, we're so happy to have you here." And I just like 
I thought I was going to like faint or pass out. I'm like, this is just freaking awesome. <laughs> you know, it really was. And everything there, everything after that it was just an amazing experience. You know, it, it, it truly, truly was. I mean, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. But I think we do have a question. I've been told, working from my multiple, multiple screens over here, I think we have a question from the audience from New Orleans. No, it was actually the audience. It came, New oh, Orleans. the audience, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. That was my <laughs> talk texting. Um, yeah, the question's actually for you, Natalie. For me? Yeah, people see that sign behind you that says spaghetti and meatballs. Oh. And we were asking what that's all about, that spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, oh, is this Chris Colavello? <laughs> Chris, don't worry, I'm not cheating on you. I'm not cheating on you. I'm, feeling, I'm helping Ron over here do a show. Chris. You can't go from one show host to another show no, host. I'm just a co-host for tonight. <laughs> Don't worry. I would never cheat on you again. I should have told you. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Nice to meet all of you for the first time. Yes. Welcome, Chris, my co-host for Spaghetti and Baseballs for the IABF. Hey, Chris, let me ask you a question now. When was your last year up in the big leagues? Uh, when was your last year? 2016, I was in the big leagues a little bit with Toronto and then 17 AAA, but 15 and 16 were really, 15 felt like my last year. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Who are you with? Uh, Toronto. You were with Toronto the whole time. Uh, yeah. Did you do a lot of stuff with Jesse Barfield? Up in, uh, I got to uh, meet Jesse a couple of times. Um, he wasn't around as much. Uh, George Bell was around a lot. Okay. Uh, Devo Homer was Bush. around. Homer Bush. Yeah, I, Homer wasn't there. I never met Homer, I don't think. But, like, Carlos Delgado was around a lot. Robbie Alomar was doing a lot of stuff up there. Those are my favorite times. And, you know, got one of the, my favorite closers of, of all time on, on the call here tonight. Got to watch this guy on TBS my whole, uh, my whole childhood. Was he one of the best? I thought he was, was he one of the best? I thought he was talking yeah. about Thank you up in Toronto. <laughs> I don't think, you know, let me tell you something. In the 90s, there was not many people can actually close a game as well as Mark. There's nobody. Well, I mean, I was hoping he'd have his hat on with his little flow coming out the back because that's I all have, I remember. That's coming back, man. The mullet's coming back. It's making a you need to you need to bring it back. You should have brought it back during COVID. Listen, you still I'm have time. I'm thankful for the hair that I have left on my head, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, being an Italian, I I don't have to worry much about that. I'm actually trying to figure out how to make it go straight because I just got out of the shower. So uh, you can borrow some of mine if you need it. I, I'm always willing to give some away. I'll tell you that much. I might take you up on. Are you in Italy? You playing in Italy, aren't you? Uh, I did. I did. I, I did a lot of stuff with the Italian team. I was like, I've kind of been bouncing across the pond a little bit, but I'm back home. I live in Massachusetts. We just got about 87 feet of snow outside. That's where I, he's from. Yeah, where yeah. Yeah. What's that? Where in Mass are you? I'm in Marlboro. Are you a Mass guy? He's in Holyoke. I grew up right outside of Springfield. Oh, I'm coming over tomorrow. I'm finding your address. We're hanging out. Perfect. I can't wait. I'm, I'm no, he's in Atlanta. Chris, he's with me. He's in Atlanta. I grew up there, but I live in Georgia now. But Chris, oh, Chris. Oh. You're a smart man. You stay away from all this. If you see this stuff outside right now, I was just texting with the softball coach at Alabama, Pat Murphy, and he's like, do you guys get hammered? I was. I sent him a picture. I was like, my dogs can't even go outside. I have two dogs that are about this tall. I could stack them on top of each other. They'd be buried under the snow. Yeah, I heard you guys got hammered. Yeah. Brutal. Snow England. Yeah, right. 
It's going to take you a week to get out of your house. Yeah. Like it's fun too when you're having like a little bit of like lower back problems because this everybody told me this about as you get older and you get this gray crap in your face that like it, you start to get a little bit more achy and now I had to go shovel snow last night I told my wife I said well whoa, whoa, whoa time out I didn't sign up for this let's move back down south <laughs> oh man you haven't even started yet big guy yeah you're right I still got some barrels left in me if anybody needs me. You still got it. You still got it. I bet you get a couple hits tomorrow. If you what are you talking to. about? I couldn't even walk. Hey, I go to Old Thomas Day. I can't even see right field. I can't see center field. I can't see left field. If they, if, uh, unfortunately, uh, when Yogi was still alive, he always wound up putting me out in right field. What I always did, I kept, you know, if somebody hit me a ball, I always kept an extra ball in my back pocket <laughs> and I let the ball uh, hit the right field fence. And I'll roll the ball back into him because just take it out of my back pocket. That, see, that <laughs> hey, I'm wisdom. not stupid. Wisdom over youth all the time. Wisdom over youth. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not stupid. I bet you we could put a squad together with the three of us. We figure some stuff out. We, I guarantee you he still knows how to get people out. Absolutely. Oh, Mark, yeah, Mark could do it. You know, Mark. Uh, Mark's a baby. I mean, he, he still could pitch. I don't know about that. You know, let me tell you something about you should see Goose. When he used to come down to fantasy camp, he's like 60 years old and he's still throwing uh, close to 90. You you get Jeff Nelson. Nelly's there. Okay. Yep. You get Nelly and uh, uh, Tanya Sturts and they come down to fantasy camp. I mean, they're throwing seeds down there. Yeah. These guys that paid $5,000 to go to Yankee fantasy camp to get striked out by uh, Nelly. And these guys are throwing 90 miles an hour. And these guys say, you know, put the ball right here. Put the ball right here. They think it's real easy. They think a pitcher, you know, put the ball right here so I can hit it. You know, <laughs> I don't care how hard you throw it. You know, as long as I can see it, I'm going to hit the ball. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, 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 it's a joke. It's, it's fun to watch these fantasy camp. Mark, have you ever played Yankee? Uh, you ever played a Braves fantasy camp? I did go to one fantasy camp, yeah. I went to one, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, the participants who come down there, I mean, they're just diehard fans that really enjoy it. So it was a neat experience, you know. I only did oh, it once, great. enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Do you go? So you go down every year? Or? I go down every single year. But this is the first year that we actually – you see, the Yankees are a lot different than other teams. The other teams normally at the most will have two fantasy camps, yeah. but the Yankees will have like five camps. Exactly. They'll have a kid's fantasy camp. They got a woman's fantasy camp and they got two. Uh, they got one in November and then they got one in uh, um, uh, just a regular camp with the campers, the, uh, the guys. And in January we have, a, so we have four fantasy camps wow. and we got, uh, um, you know, uh, a virus out this year and, and it looks like probably next year is going to be virus out too, because people are still afraid to actually, uh, uh, even if we got all the shots and stuff, there's going to be a lot of people that's still going to be afraid to go out. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to do this. We're kind of like, don't see it as much down here, Ron, because of no, no, it's a lot different. I mean, we haven't been locked down like some of these other states have for so well, long. Just like Florida. I've been in Florida. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> Florida is open. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Our kids have been back to school. I mean, some of, these, yeah. some of the stuff that's going on, it's just like, you know, what the hell? What, I mean, Every state is so different. I mean, it's so crazy. You know, one, some, 
a school in one county is going to uh, 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 go back to school and another county next to them, they'll stay out. I mean, I don't even understand. I don't even understand with the shots because we're supposed to have like 10 million, uh, what, 100 million uh, things of shots and we got like 6 million, you know, and nobody could get shots. They go on uh, online and try to get a shot, you know, uh, they'll right. book out for like two weeks. And, uh, you know, it's I mean, just crazy. It's just crazy. But let's get back to baseball. Let's get back to baseball. Okay. Okay. Come so on. The Braves won 26 years ago. The All Star game is in Atlanta this summer. You look, what are you guys doing for it? You guys getting together, Mark? I haven't made any plans yet because I just found out tonight that the All Star game is in Atlanta. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got three kids. I'm working, trying to sell houses. I don't follow baseball as much as I probably should, or, or, or probably as much as people would expect former players do, you know? So, right. um, you know, I probably should have known that, you know, it's my bad, but um, I, I just don't, you know, I just, you know, I mean, I love the game and, but to sit down and have three hours to watch a baseball game sometimes can be tough. Hey, you found out last night. I found out tonight that the all-star games in Atlanta. So, Hey, you were a day ahead of me. You got that going for you. I never even knew it was in Atlanta. I live down here. Nobody even. Oh my God! I have a meeting tomorrow at eleven thirty to already talk All Star. I mean, you I'm already planning All Star tomorrow. You work with the network. That's cheating. That's I'm like more, no, I'm not probably, cheating. I'm probably more focused on the spaghetti than the baseball now nowadays. Oh, I, I would love to have some spaghetti. spaghetti. Now. We got two Italians here right now. I'll give you some corned beef for some. For no, some spaghetti no, and meatballs. Uh, no, I want spaghetti and meatballs. I want the regular meatballs. I don't want these veal meatballs. I, I go down in the city all the time and I said, I want spaghetti and meatballs. Okay, Mark, meatballs. Uh, we don't have meatballs. We have veal meatballs and we have like duck meatballs and we got all this other stuff. I said, I want spaghetti, you know, with the uh, uh, regular uh, spaghetti. You could put ragu sauce on it if you Whoa! want. Yeah, put the ragu sauce on it, and I want the actually meatballs. And I want the, you know, I, hey, I'll I'll send you up. Uh, uh, I'll give you some matzo ball soup. I'll give you some pastrami. I'll give you some corned beef when I'm in the city. Yep. And you just ship me uh, uh, spaghetti and meatballs. That's all I'm looking for. Or I have to go to the Olive Garden and get spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, That's nice, what we do. Nice. Right. Hey, ask Mark. Mark, you go to any Italian restaurants? <laughs> yeah, but look at this. Olive Garden. There, there's a place uh, uh, over in Alpharetta. It's called Ippolito's. That I, they got oh, food. that's great. Yeah. Ron, uh, you're breaking my heart. You don't understand you're I, breaking listen, my I'm, heart. My wife's Italian, so she makes great spaghetti and meatballs. Okay, so, oh, so, okay, so since your wife's Italian, yeah. one of the staples of our show that Chris and I do is uh, Rapid Fire. <laughs> Uh, it turns into it's the slowest fire ever. There's no, there's nothing rapid about it. No, nothing rapid. So my favorite question is, since now we're talking about food, and Ron already broke my heart a hundred times. I mean, uh, Ron broke my heart. Is it sauce or gravy? <laughs> what spaghetti? No, just sauce. Like, do you make sauce? Does your wife make sauce? Yeah. Make gravy? What do you put on? What do you put on pasta? Sauce or gravy? Spaghetti sauce. Yeah. Oh, sauce. Thank like you. Sauce. Well, he, Ron called it, he called it ragu sauce. So I he, know, I know, but he also yeah, said no, 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 gravy, hey, gravy, we use that, hey, gravy, we put that in Salisbury steak. That's right. And yeah, I we put that on Salisbury steak. 
and would put that on meatloaf gravy. Ron also said Olive Garden. <laughs> well, my, wait a minute. In, in all fairness, and I'm gonna like Ron, I got your back. My mother could not be more Italian. When people ask me, like, you know, how Italian are you? I say, my mom's still on the boat. She ain't got off yet. She lives here, but she hasn't got off. Polavella alone. Yeah, cause no, and this case in point, right? Like Natalie and my mom have never met and they're like best friends on Facebook already because yeah. that's what Italian ladies do, right? So yes. my mom, my mom, who is the most Italian woman ever, she grew up there. My dad met her when he was playing baseball over there. My mom is like, Chris, why don't we go to Olive Garden for dinner? I'm like, no, she goes, Chrissy, why don't we go to Olive Garden for dinner? And I'm like, Ma, really? You want to go to Olive Garden? <laughs> what are we talking about, you know? Oh. <laughs> hey, the only place that we have Italian food is in Boston, where we get, uh, uh, yeah. no, no, the clubhouse guy. And that was big. But nowadays, these guys are getting steaks and prime rib, flounder, lobster. They get all that stuff. We get the uh, 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 hoagies, and then they put the uh, meatballs, and they put the Italian sausage in there, and they put the onions in it, and they put that red sauce in there. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable! Hey, I did that when I was hey, I did that when I was a DH, and I didn't have anything to do, and I go back up in Boston, up in Fenway. Yeah, I'm not stupid. I'm not gonna sit there when it's cold. So I'm sitting on the bench. I'm eating a a, a big. A, a, uh, 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 hero uh, sausage sandwich yep. and you know sitting there listening to the game and when it's my turn to get it back I run down to the uh, uh, run down on the field and get my at bat that's what I used to do Mark oh yeah that's what I, I used playing, to I, I was stupid. playing in the Mexican Winter League in the Mexican Winter League I like DH like almost every night and uh, let me tell you something Mexicans do one thing really well for food they make the best tacos I've done ever had anyway oh, yeah. right it's and so every night I'll probably eat like eight tacos during the game. <laughs> I'd just go kick it in the, in the clubhouse. I'd be crushing carne asada tacos. Man, I came back there. I look, I came back from Mexico. I looked like a taco by the time I got home. Let me tell you something. I don't know if Mark remembered. Remember the name Rico Cardi? Yeah. You remember, Mark, you remember Rico Cardi, right? Yeah, with the Red Sox, right? You played with Boston? No, he played with the Braves for many, many years. Okay, Many years. Right. No, no, you're talking about Petroselli. Yeah, you're talking about okay. But anyway, Rico Cardi was a real big uh, uh, guy from uh, uh, where was he from? Uh, uh, not from Cuba, from uh, maybe uh, well, whatever down one of the island. Yeah, one of the okay. islands. But anyway, what he used to do is uh, he be he became the DH in the American League for a couple of teams, and we we played him one time. He had a hot dog in his back pocket. He had actually a hot dog. And you could see the mustard going through his pants. <laughs> they called him. He was in the clubhouse. And they said, Rico, it's your turn to hit. So he didn't want to lose a hot dog. He put his hot dog in his back pocket with mustard on it. Hey, can I take one second? My dog's ringing the bell. Do you mind if I just run and let the dog Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll be right back. I don't want the dog doing anything stupid. Go on. Go on. Oh no, no, no. He, I, I, I understand where he's coming from because right now with all this snow, I, like it's I said, I got, I got these two. Clutch has peed in the house three times in the last two days because he refuses to go outside. And Clutch doesn't pee in the house. Bolt, like the new one, the, the new guy, he's like kind of crazy. He's like off the charts. So I he poops in the house and stuff. But Clutch, right. Clutch is letting me down. But I, 
we have the excuse of snow right now. That's why. So I yeah, get see, Mark has. Uh, you got the big dogs, right? You got a couple of big ones. Me, I got. Yeah. Uh, we got a golden doodle. She's probably 30, 40 pounds. And then we got this. I don't know what it is. It's a real tiny, it's a cute little dog. I didn't want it at first because I thought I'd be the one taking the dog for this little thing for a walk. But it's she's become my favorite dog. But she's near and dear to your heart now, right? Yeah, probably like ten or twelve pounds. But they do it for you. Yeah. I remember I was living in actually Riverdale up in New York, and when the game was over with, we used to uh, uh, Chris Shambliss and myself or Bobby Bonds. They lived in our building, and uh, I used to rush home. And had to let the dogs out, and it's like about one one thirty in the morning because that's when you used to get home. I mean, right. Yankee Stadium. You know, you try to get out of Yankee Stadium, it's going to take you two hours yeah. to get out of Yankee Stadium. So we always wind up staying. The game's over with eleven eleven thirty. We didn't leave till twelve thirty at night, quarter one, and you get home and you got your dogs. You got to walk around. So you you walking around the dog at one thirty in the morning. You know, I mean. Uh, it's a harder life to live in New York City, Big Guy. Yeah. It's not like living in Atlanta where you have a big yard like you do, and you could just throw your dogs out there and they it's go out there. It's a big yard. It's five acres, he said earlier. Oh. She's, she's great at research. Oh, no, no, no. She's, she's a bass. No, no. She's from New York. Bro, let, so, me ask, let me ask hey, you a question. You should know. She's, hey, they know their baseball up here. Oh, yeah. they, nope. they know their baseball. Okay. Natalie, Chris, is, Chris, we're going to have Mark on our show baseball. next in a couple weeks. Right. Yeah. Mark, hey, we, come on our show, Italian American Baseball Foundation. Hey, you're allowed on because we had the last the last guest we had didn't have a vowel on the end of his last name. It was the first one we had Joe Madden on, but he's a, he's a paisan. You're in now because you got an Italian wife, so you're exactly good. it works. And you All say right. sauce, so I let you in. Okay. Yeah, but Joe's a good guy. Who? He's still is uh, Joe Matt. Is he still living up in uh, Pennsylvania? Yeah, he's got the house up there. He told me I could come over and, and use the pizza oven. He just got a brick oven. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. I mean, he could do whatever he wants to. Too. Hey, Ron, let me ask you a question because you were yeah. with the organization a lot longer than I was. Why is what is so special about? And I'm not disputing that. that no, no, no. Tell me that it is or isn't. Why is New York so special a place to play? Why? Because number it's one, a mecca of everything. Okay, no, no, no. You're biased, Natalie. Okay, I signed when I was seventeen <laughs> years old. Okay, uh, lived in Atlanta. The Atlanta Braves just actually came there from Milwaukee. Uh, people that was at the Atlanta uh, 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 County Stadium. Baseball got bigger in New York City. It's it's like football down south it's a religion okay the yankees is a religion the mets is a secondary team i don't care what anybody says okay uh it is uh the Atlanta falcons is a secondary team compared to georgia okay uh georgia tech okay so the fans up in new york they I think they, it's, it's like uh, Abner Doubleday. Uh, baseball started at, almost in, like in New York. And when you go by Yankee Stadium, if you are a, a, a visitor, there's one of the things on your bucket list that you want to go by Yankee Stadium or go in there or, or walk around there. And it, it's New York. 
the Yankee fans, or not just Yankee fans, baseball fans. You could be the Brooklyn Dodger fans, or you could be the San Francisco Giants fans, or the Mets fans. They just love baseball. You know, when I got traded to New York, um, both my, my agent was out of Brooklyn, uh, Sam and Seth Levinson with Aces, and they they were out of Brooklyn. When I got traded there, um, you know, he was telling me, he said, you know, there's, there's just something special about being in New York and being a Yankee. He said, you know, you can go into a bar in the city and there could be the most popular um, actor in Hollywood and Derek Jeter, and nobody's going to recognize that actor. You know, it's correct. Just, it's, correct. And that's just how it is. It's like, that's where their focus is. And that's where their attention is. It's on, and not just Derek Jeter, Mariano, Jorge, you know, uh, Paul O'Neill, Tino, any of the guys that I was fortunate enough to play with, but that's how it is. They worship, not worshiped, but that's who they would flock to as opposed to like, you know, the See, living in Atlanta and know Tommy Glavin fairly well and Jeff Glauser real well and uh, Greg McMichael and all those guys, you could walk downtown. They don't even know who you are, basically. They don't know who you are. In New York City, they know exactly who you are. First thing they, I mean, they do. First thing they do. Hi, Mark. Great game. Yeah. Even if you didn't, you know, even if they like you, if you didn't have a good game. Yeah. Hi, well, Mark. I mean, to be fair, here in Atlanta, we have so many people that have come from all over the country. Correct. You know, I mean, you're in New York, you're a Met or, or Yankee fan, you know, a Jet Giant, you know, Rangers, Islanders. Down here in Atlanta, we have so many, it's like a huge melting pot from people, not only all over the country, but all over the world, you know, with all the, you know, corporate headquarters is that, you know, I mean, my wife's from Kansas City. She's a, you know, she's a huge Chiefs fan. You know, she, her family grew up watching the Chiefs. We oh, got a big Because uh, my guy Tommy's playing in the game this weekend. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Before we talk that, back to New York and the Mecca and how amazing it is. Another iconic thing in New York is Saturday Night Live. Mark, did you not do a skit on SNL? I did. It was a blast. It, I just found that out. Here's the here's the. By who, Ron? Every year, my agents, um, my agents that were out of Brooklyn, um, they would put a fundraiser on every year. So there was a whole bunch of us that were coming up to New York um, for this fundraiser uh, for a charity event, and you know, it's like all, a lot of the guys that he represented that were in the big leagues were coming up there. And every year we did something different. The year prior, I think in '96. We were at one of the openings of Planet Hollywood and, you know, Bruce Willis came to our room and like, you know, introduced himself, and, you know, so that was really cool. So it was Sam and Seth Levinson were my agents and Sam knew everybody and everything. It, Sam could get anything done by anyone, you know, so I think it was Todd Zeal and Todd Hundley were talking. They're like, you know, let's put Sam on some wild goose hunt. Let's let's see if he can get us tickets to Saturday Night Live, you know, because I think the charity event was on Friday night. And so like, they, did, they just wanted to give Sam something to do that would probably be impossible to do. So like a week later, we get a call back saying, not only did Sam contact Saturday Night Live and get us tickets, the writers found out and wanted us to do a script for Saturday Night Live. So it was just, you know, it was nothing that Sam couldn't do. It was a, it was a so everybody that was in that skit who saw it, was represented by our agents. We were up I mean, at the charity event that weekend. You had Todd Zeal, Russ Davis, Cliff Floyd, Mike Sweeney, Scott Rowland, your teammate Gerald Williams, right? A ton Todd of you guys. Todd Hundley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Todd mean, Hundley, Chris, Chris Kattan, Helen Hunt. Yes, uh, it was called the baseball dream. Yeah, and 
Will Farrell was in it. Yeah, I think I was like early in, in, in uh, is it Farrell or Farrell, whoever that really funny dude is. But also at the end of that skit, they say that Ken Griffey was out and out outside. Was he really outside or no, is that? He wasn't, he wasn't there. He wasn't yeah, there. I didn't think so because of what they. I think I think Hunley, I think Scott Rowland yelled out something like Griffey's out, or as Hunley yelled out Griffey's outside naked or something like that. But exactly. yeah, I think they said that because Griffey, you know, is probably the most popular player at the time. Right, right. Yeah, because this happened in 97. Yeah, I thought all the Braves were the most the popular players because you were all the only team that I could watch other than the Red Sox because TBS carried the game. So like I watched you pitch probably as much as I watched Roger Clemens pitch when I was a kid. So by the way, I'm very honored to be on the same Zoom, just FYI. I know. How the hell did you get <laughs> I it. Listen, I grew up, we were talking earlier. I grew up a huge Clemens fan. It was actually, uh, I forgot what card company it was, but they made a baseball card. It was like a rookie idol card. And at the time growing up, you know, when I was a rookie, they said, you know, who was your idol growing up? And it was Roger Clemens. So I don't have a copy of it, but there's actually a baseball card with, you know, me being a rookie and as Roger Clemens is my idol. So it was, and then the yeah. chance to play with him was just, awesome you know that yeah. guy i mean you know what you know what the thing it was about the yankees that surprised me more than anything is you know because they had so many great players i mean they, they won in 96 i mean they started winning in 96 i got there in 2001 but their run had already started and i was surprised one through 25 how hard every player worked you know oh, yeah. before the game after the game in the weight room it was just it was absolutely incredible. And I think as a pitching staff, Clemens was the leader of that pitching staff. Nobody worked harder than Clemens. Nobody whatsoever. I mean, he, he set the tone because, I mean, if, if Clemens is working this hard after he accomplished, you just had to follow in his footsteps. Otherwise, you just felt like you were carrying your own weight, you know. So, But that shocked me more than anything is that because you always had guys on your team that were gym rats and, you know, spent a lot of times in the weight room. Every player on that Yankee team, man, was doing something to – improve themselves where it wasn't like on the field in front of well sometimes it was if Jeter's out there at one o'clock taking ground balls or something like that but um, they worked as hard as any other team that had ever played on and and already- that's one thing that the boss did that what George did when George bought the team in 73 from CBS he instilled, <laughs> he instilled a, a family relationship for everybody yeah. Everybody, you know, I mean, he fired everybody every every other day. Yeah. So, I mean, every every other day. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you're gonna get your release papers. You're gone. You go upstairs, up into the uh, uh, offices up there. Uh, you see people are packing. But the next day, they come back. They got their Billy yeah. Martin. Billy Martin. Huh? Billy Martin probably never unpacked. Oh no, I, I had I had him for four years. And Jill, his uh, wife now, well, his ex-wife who was his last wife who lives in Ocala, I still think she gets paid by the Yankees. Awesome. And, you know, and I think he had <laughs> you know, a deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, it was, let me tell you something. It was, it was like, it, it was a Bronx Zoo. It was, it was, I mean, it was so much fun. It was really, you know, you get to the stadium, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know you gotta you know uh, bust your butt to do real well. It's uh, you know you you bust your butt. That's uh, I, think Ron's, I think Ron's getting a call. Back to the, but back to the back to the Yankees in '96 World Series. I had to ask '96 yeah. World Series. They bring you in eighth inning with a three-run lead. I'm having, I'm having trouble with my internet connection for some reason now. 
Oh, real? Is that right? No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That, no, hey. Don't you let said it was okay. Don't let her bring that up. No, no, he said it was okay. Part of it. I'm sure there might be one or two Yankees fans on it that the Yankees fans watching this that might want to, that might enjoy this part. So we're good. Yeah. So talk to us about like, were you surprised when he brought you in <laughs> that lead? Oh, what happened? It had, it, it hadn't happened before. Okay. okay. But before we talk any further about it, um, as a closer, your job is not to save a ball game. Okay. Your job is to get the last out, you know? Right. So, I mean, to me, the most important stat as a closer was games finished because when that manager hands you the ball, he expects the game over. That's it. You know? So, um, to put the blame on anybody else would just be flat out wrong because my job was to get the last out and I failed at it. You know what I mean? Having said that, I mean, there was only one other time throughout the course of the season where I started the eighth inning, you know, and, you know, like I talked to Ron all the time, you know, I grew up a Yankee fan. You know, I saw Goose Gossage do it for two or three innings all the time, you know, uh, watching Mariano, that was nothing for him to do it. So I certainly should have um, been prepared and been able to do it. It's just, you know, just one damn pitch that didn't go where I wanted it to go, you know, and that's it, you know, so. It happens, um, but thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, you know, obviously it doesn't matter whether it was the eighth inning or the ninth inning, you know, I had a job to do to finish the ball game. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't work. Natalie, you Even did. Chris disagrees with me. Thank you for Natalie, handling that with grace. Max Fine in Kangaroo Court for bringing that up tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it, Chris. You the got it. Jeff Kangaroo well, Court is He back. said I could. But, no. you know, but it's part of it. You know yeah. what I mean? I you, mean, no, you're absolutely right. And I think we're going to show the highlights beforehand of the 95. Then, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, and, no, and that's yeah. honestly, I think one of my one of my favorite things about players and talking to like through situations. And one of the things I don't really understand is when people don't take accountability for their mistakes, right. Or, or their, their failures or their shortcomings, because they're really not failures. The game, the game is the game and it's hard. It's a hard game. And the guy on the other side's trying too. So it's not like we're sitting here talking. I mean, I, I, I played for Rich Gedman for seven, six years in independent ball. And I brought up the 86 World Series at one point where, you know, Stanley throws the – Stanley yanks the, 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 the heater, it goes to the backstop, and um, and then obviously the ball goes through Buckner's legs. And it's they, – they end up becoming, like, kind of iconic moments. But, man, oh, man, like, I, one of my first introductions to Rich, I said to him, I was like, it must have been awesome playing in the World Series in, in 86. And I was just some punk rookie in indie ball, and he looked at me, he's like, man, it's like – we lost. I hated it. And I was like, oh, you know, you're choking on my words. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, like it takes it takes a special a special person to have gotten there and then to obviously to be able to overcome it and keep playing. And uh, about how many times have you played and there's a man on third base, you strike out with a man and you lose a ball game. Yeah. And, you know, it's not you know, it's not the uh, the pennant, but it's like a pennant for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean. If you're very, if you're a great hitter, you get three hits in every ten at bat. If you're a great hitter, okay, and you know seven times, you're not going to do well. Right. And I would tell you right off the bat, you know, I mean, if Mark, you know, I mean, if he's pitching now, if he knew, you know, I mean, he's not going to make the mistake again. Right. And you know, unfortunately, it was a mistake. It was part of the game. It's over with. That's the, you know, the good part about it. It's, it's over with. And, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, wrong. for years and years, it sucked. 
You know, it's over with now, you know, 25 years later. Yeah, you can laugh about it. Uh, yeah. I don't know about laugh, you know, because <laughs> you know. I look back to I look back to our series in 2015, the ALCS, and I mean the the World Series was teed up for us that year, right? We had we had handled Kansas City pretty well in the ALCS during the regular season. <laughs> Felt good about the matchup with them, um, but you know we looked up and before we knew it, we were down two nothing, and that's at, coming off the Rangers series, we were down two nothing and, and ended up beating them three two. We won three in a row, but I think we kind of like took a deep breath after that series and we're like, ah, we're all right. And I look back to so many moments. I had an at-bat in the eighth inning uh, of game six, which ended up being the clinching game for them. Um, I had, like, first and second, two outs, and it was my first time facing Wade Davis. And I remember, you know, you talk about closers, like premier closers in the game. And I remember just feeling a little bit like that, I don't know, a little bit not necessarily, like, nervous, but, you know, oh, it's Wade Davis, you know, that. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I, I just, like, yanked off a ball a little bit, and I popped it up, and I was like, man, if I just hit a double there, you know, we win, we're going to game seven. And then we knew whoever came out of the American League was going to win the World Series. So, like, I get it. Believe me, that at bat, for as many good moments as have happened, like, there are a lot of moments that haunt us. And it, for you, it just happened to be, like, you know, you're the closer. You're the, you're the guy that shuts the door. Not many people remember my at bat that game, but I do. I do. It's part of the game, unfortunately. I mean, hey, how about if you're a field goal kicker? If you miss a field goal in the last three seconds, uh, yeah. of the game, you know, I mean, it's you got to take the good with the bad. And, and Mark will Good. say, you know, I mean, it hurts. It hurts down inside. It's always going to hurt you. But you know that, you know, it's over with. You know, you got friends. And you know, like when you talk to people like us, when you're in three different organizations and, you know, and we could talk, hey, the good thing about sports and baseball, we got a lot of brothers and we really do. And you know, you know what it is that can help you, um, you know, deal with things like that is that I know I was prepared. I know I gave a hundred percent. I know I wasn't. So, I mean, that's all you could do. I mean, I, yeah. I appreciate the kids yeah. that I coach. All you could do is focus on the effort. You know, you can't really, exactly. when that ball leaves your hands, it's really out of your control. You know, it's the, the decisions, the process you make before making that pitch. But, you know, if, if you do the preparation, you give 100%, and sometimes, you know, the results aren't going to be there. So you can, you know, it. don't get me wrong. I mean, I think about it, you know, when it gets brought up, it's not a it's not a great thought to think of and stuff. But, you know, I know I I know I, I was prepared. You know, I know I tried my hardest. I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to, like, bury that slider in the dirt. I thought I'd get a swing and a miss. I still think, you know, I, I think it was the right pitch. It was just a bad location. Like I said, I grew up a Yankee fan. I remember seeing Larrett's you know, play Pepper with the short fence in right field. And, you know, I thought he was getting on my fastball a little bit. And I thought, man, if I just, man, if I could start this slide in the strike zone and bury it in the ground, you know, he's going to roll over on it. We're going to, you know, get out of this inning. And, you know, you try throwing that slider a little bit better than the last one or the one before. And that's when, that's when, you know, you don't pull it enough and you don't finish it. And that thing just hits, hangs up there. And Ron, I tell you, in the big leagues, you know, same, I mean. Hey, hitters, or let me tell you something. They don't miss mistakes. Mark's a great pitcher, but hitters are super hitters in the big leagues. They are. They pay to hit. And, yep. you know, hey, they pay to hit mistakes. Yep. And this is what it is. Yep. And, you know, I mean, yep. if you miss a mistake, hey, more power to the pitcher. Right. Well, you, know, you, not, you might not get another one for four times at bat. Right, the guys that miss a lot of mistakes, those are the guys that are getting sent back down to AAA. When I was up in the big leagues and I made a lot more mistakes, you know, I had a trip back to Richmond every other month too. So, I mean, 
that's what separates, you know, as you get higher up from the low minor leagues, double A, triple A to the big leagues, it's the amount of mistakes you make are fewer and fewer and fewer, you know, and if you, you know, there's some guys that Maddox who just freaking never makes any, made any mistakes, you know, <laughs> or glad well, it, you know? it, it, it was, uh, you know, it's funny how you mentioned Maddox. I, I watched a highlight the other day and I, like he got a ball, he got a ball this far off home plate called the strike. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of respect, man. Like I, and nowadays, like somebody be complaining about barking about K zone, but I mean, you know what it is though, like Maddox and Glavin, they have their catcher line up his midsection right on the black. Yeah. yeah. Hit that black on the first yeah. inning. They're pounding that black and it's a strike. And then the next inning or two, they move out. They move yeah. over. You earn it. Yeah. You know, and and it, and the vision's the same for the whole plate umpire. He's hitting that spot. He's right on the black. Before you know it, the fifth or sixth inning, they're getting the ball four, five, six inches outside. But the umpire's seeing the glove not moving, and he's in the habit of saying strike, 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 yeah. strike. Yeah, that's so, the part of the game that I think is lost upon today's generation, right? Because I grew up, and again, being around Rich, one of the things that I learned in my early years was we would always judge. When we're on the side, you can't tell. He's like, if the catcher sticks it, it should be a strike, right? Now, it's it's one thing if it's egregious and the guy's like a foot and a half off the dish. But, like, you watch guys now catch balls like this and get calls, and I'm like, what are we doing? So the, the dynamic of the game shifted, like, a little bit of the automation and technology is, like, taken away from, you know, the reason why those guys were so great, in my opinion, is because they could do whatever they wanted. They adjusted to whatever the game told them to do. If they were going to get three inches, they'd take three inches. You know what I mean? And, like, that takes like now you take a little bit away from the cat and mouse game. You got these guys throwing a hundred, 101, 102, but it's here, it's there, it's over there. And then like, all of a sudden you watch a guy, I'll never forget this. I struck out on a three, two slider to Dylan Batantis one day and the, and McCann, I watched, I turned around McCann was going like this to catch it. And then, <laughs> I turned around and I was like, I was like, how are you possibly calling that a strike? He just caught it like this. And he's like, well, I, I think it was in the box. And I'm like, you're not that good. You don't know that. Like, come on, man. Like, hey, I, I'm going to let the dogs back in there, man, bud. Okay. <laughs> I love this. It's cold here. Man. You can tell this is, this is non-script. Yeah. Zoom. This is definitely. Come on these Zoom some more. Yeah. Oh, me and Mike Ford. <laughs> you get, oh, there's hey. Mike Ford. You get baseball guys in a room, Ron. This is what what, what happens. We got this three. This is what we do. We talk we baseball. Three generations talk. covered right here, man. It's awesome. This is. Hey, I, I when I wrote, hey, I'm writing my book with Thurman Munson. It's called The Captain and Me. It's yeah. all baseball stories. It's all where people never even heard of it before. It's wonderful. It's you know you go to fantasy camp and you listen to the older guys talk about baseball. About you know all these guys always talked about. You know, they hit the ball 500 feet, but it really went 320 feet. And it every single year, every year, yeah, farther and farther and farther. And every time, you know, you, you talk to a pitcher and a pitcher, you know, uh, uh, through, uh, let's say, 91, 92, he's up to 101 now. You know, after like 15 years in fantasy camp, you know, he talks about what he's done. But, you know, hey, it's hey, we have such a good time. Baseball is so much fun when you're in a group and when you okay. when you go into a clubhouse. Football is not like that. Basketball is not like that. But baseball, you always have stories. You always have characters in your a locker room. You're always giving guys hot foot. You know, I mean, you're always hiding things from uh, guys. And yeah, hey, that's, hey, when we had Sparky Lau and when we had Catfish and we had Goose Gosses and Gidry and Reggie and all those guys, 
You don't even know if you're going to even have your clothes when you uh, after the ball game. You might not even have your clothes to go home. You might have to wear your uniform to go home in. But you know that's the type of uh, uh, that's why they called the Bronx Zoo. We had so much fun, and it was you're in your you know you know I tell people when you get to the ballpark every day, you know it's going to be a fight. But oh, yeah. during the game, you know you're going to win because you're that good. But after the ball game, you start uh, uh, rigging somebody. And then when you come into the uh, clubhouse, the next game, the next day, you're in another fight. And then, you know, you win the next ball game. But it's like, you know, I mean, the Yankees are a lot different. You know, we had some crazy guys on our team and we really did. But that's what made us. And I know that uh, 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 Bobby, you know, came from, uh, uh, you know, came from the Yankee organization and then went to Toronto, of course. But he saw all those guys, you know, when he was up in Syracuse and when he played and when he came up to the big leagues. And, you know, that hey, that's what made Bobby. Bobby was made because he, he, he played for the Yankees. And, you know, he wore that Yankee pinstripe. And it means something. It really means something to put that Yankee uniform on and to go out in that stadium and to see those fans and... <coughs> And real, real quick, because I know you're getting bored listening to all this stuff. No. But how many, how many times do you see uh, fans doing their own, uh, uh, what you call it, scorecards? And That's these right. guys up in New York, they still do their own scorecards during the game. There was a few things before at the Yankees games that I always look forward to. Okay, the first inning when you know we took the field, you the had the bleachers saying Derek Jeter, and they they would do that until you acknowledge them. So that was freaking awesome, you know? And then the grounds crew coming out doing YMCA was awesome every night, okay? And then the dude up in the stands, I always thought it was a recording, but doing the Cotton Eye Joe thing, I didn't realize that was live every night. That's and, Joey. That's a good friend of mine. That's Joey upstairs. Dude, I, so those are like three things that I loved coming to the ballpark. And then obviously, if Frank sings at the end of the night, you know you won, so... Those are like four things besides the ball game and the camaraderie and all the good times you had in the clubhouse and one of the ball games. Those are four things that, you know, that was just awesome. You know, the fans, you know, acknowledging the players to the players acknowledge them, you know, the grounds crew, Cotton Mad Joe and, you know, Frank singing at the end of New York. There's just something about it. It was just awesome. Hearing the fans, hearing the bleacher creatures out there coming out with the chants and the nicknames. I got to play. I've been in the big leagues in 13 and 14 with Minnesota. I never got to go to Yankee stadium. So the whole AL East was like, you know, it's what I grew up on other than, you know, Braves, the Braves special on TBS. But I remember going there and I was like, and you're sitting there and you're like, these dudes are into it. Like these fans are just so passionate and you can feel it. And now to your point about the spreads too, like you can get, you pretty much get anything on the menu. The travel day, they, those clubbies were looking for that good tip on travel day, let me tell you. You know what's awesome? This thing to be said, you get goose for me, obviously, just as a fan going to Yankee Stadium. I've been going since I was two. Just like the goosebumps, just walking through their monument park. Like, it's just, there's just something about it. Just something there, about it. I was there in 2001, and I remember the last game. It was a home game in the playoffs when we beat Seattle. And, that the, you know, Ichiro was with Seattle at the time. And, you know, he's you know, one of all-star, great ball player. But, like, when we knew we were going to win, it was, like, the, his last at-bat, the whole Yankee Stadium is, che- is cheering sayonara. You know, sayonara. And I was like, oh, my God, these guys are – they're just incredible. You know well, what I mean? They're, they're, Yankee fans awesome. just get on everything. I mean, they, you want to talk about research? They do their research. Oh, yeah. They know everything about every single player. Yeah. 
You know what's funny is I, I actually got oh, Ron's muted. I don't think he knows. Oh, Ron's muted. <laughs> yeah, we got to unmute him. Somebody do it from remotely. No, no, it's all right. It's intentional. Uh, <laughs> Ron, like my dinner is here. I have to go. <laughs> oh, no, I think we have to wrap this up. I don't want to. Real quick, if you don't do well, then. <laughs> oh, no. What a jerk. <laughs> wrap it up. It's so messed up. This is what I go through. This is my career. I got. <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Listen, listen. I'll extend this conversation whenever you guys want. You guys come on Spaghetti and Baseballs every day yes. if you want. Yeah, we'll continue this for sure, Mark. Definitely. It's a good time. And I'll probably yeah. sit around about six hours at the gym because he's there. He oh, always... hey, Mark. He always... Go on, take care of your dove. I'll see you in the morning. Go home. Hey, what an honor. Guys, thank you for letting me sneak into this. Mark, obviously huge fan. Ron, huge fan. Chris, love fan. you. Hey, Mark, this love you, big guy. guy. I'll see you. Uh, I, I know I'll see you over the weekend. So all there he is. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us, the Ron Blumberg Show. Thank you for having me, co-host of Spaghetti and Baseballs, and to Chris Colabello for joining us. We're excited. Mark, thank you again so much. Hey, anytime. It was a blast. You know, I really enjoyed it. Love Love hanging out and talking to Ron every day at the gym. So happy to do it. Yeah, I did get some banana pudding for you, big guy. Chris, I, I eat some spaghetti and meatballs for you. All right. I'll bring hey, you some. Hey, hey Lenny, yeah. Joe, don't yeah. hang up yet because I just want to talk about my new sponsor just for two minutes. All right. Yep, two minutes. 100, 120 seconds. That's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, I just, hey, I'm really uh, serious now. I got a sponsor today. From a real, real good friend of mine. His name is Miles Rundolph. And he's out of Boca Raton. And he's a sports psychologist. And I know that, uh, uh, Mark, remember Jack Llewellyn? I do. You yeah. know, okay. This guy does exactly the same thing as oh. Jack Llewellyn. And uh, he's going to be our sponsor. Uh, we're going to be talking to him uh, uh, some on our Zoom. I'm going to have maybe a, a special Zoom with him. And we're going to be talking about some uh, serious uh, uh, kids that are having problems with baseball. Uh, uh, he loves baseball more than anything. And we're going to have a lot, a lot of discussions with older guys and younger people, how he helps them. And he's a sponsor for me. I'm very, very proud. Miles, I love you, big guy. We're going to have a great time. Mark, I love you, big guy. Chris, I love you. Right back at Emily, you. I love you. I love you, too. Y'all have a wonderful time. And I, hey, I saw your white dog back there, Mark. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of little ones back there. There's a couple <laughs> of them over there. All good. Love you, big guy. Enjoy See y'all. Y'all have a great bye -bye. day. Bye-bye, bye y'all. Thank you. Bye. I think we're still alive. Yeah, well, Joe and I do a wrap-up at the end. Oh, okay. Well, I want to listen to this. I never stay on the phone listen to <laughs> I, I had to wait till Mark left to put on my 96 <laughs> signed by Jim Layritz, by the way. That's so, Ron, what do, we get, what do we got on tap for next week, Ron? Oh, let me unmute him. Wait, Ron, unmute yourself. <laughs> Big guy. Oh, Chris is back. Wait, Chris is back. <laughs> Unless he clicked on the wrong thing. I don't know. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> you have enough. I just wanted to say, I didn't mean to hit leave. I just want to say thank you guys. I appreciate oh. it.
That was awesome. That was Thank awesome. You. Thank you for joining us. Thank He's you for surprising so, so me, by the way. <laughs> Ron, I love you too, man. I really do. I tell him not to mute you anymore. This is messed up. <laughs> he has no choice. <laughs> he has no choice. <laughs> I haven't even done it. <laughs> if you guys talk to Mark, tell him I said thanks. That was awesome. I'm, He's yeah. wonderful. He's a wonderful man, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Just like he you. Pitch too, couldn't he? Yeah. He could pitch. Hey, I just this is my favorite part is is getting to talk to the players that played before me that that made me fall in love with the game. Yeah. Well, this, you know, I, this I, show was this show was great because we, like you said before, Chris, we had three generations of baseball, and yeah. I, I think it made it. Totally, totally awesome. So thank you. And you got the spaghetti from my show. You stole my spaghetti, dog. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I want the spaghetti and meatballs out. You got the pastrami and corned beef. You got and it. When I I'm coming down to visit you in Atlanta. I'm coming down to visit you in Atlanta. You got it. You got it, big guy. It's all yours. You stay with me. We don't have snow down here. All right, Ron. Talk to you guys. See you. Yeah. See you later, Chris. Ron, why don't you tell us about next week's show? Uh, who's going to be on? That's what I'm asking you. Oh, you always put me into great situations. Okay, <laughs> should I make up somebody? Or I, no, think, it's my Eric. Uh, I think it's Eric Holmes. No, I'll give you a hint. Oh, Purim. It's our Purim show. Yeah, no, it's Eric Holtz. Right. Uh, who was my uh, assistant coach in Israel. But he I, really wasn't my assistant coach. He was my real coach because he knew about how to coach in baseball. I just knew how to play baseball. I wasn't a coach. I wasn't a guy to get on third base. Anyway, he's doing next week's show, but basically <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have Eric Holtz on who happens to be the manager of team Israel in this coming Olympics. And we're going to be joined by two of his players, former major leaguers, Jeremy Bleich, and Danny Valencia. So it should be a great time. And maybe Mr. Bloomberg will unmute him for our next show. Natalie, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Natalie, I hope you enjoyed it. I love you. I You're a I wonderful person. And anytime you want to help me do this and do this, you are wonderful. You're great with stats. Uh, you know, I don't even know if I'm telling my stats correctly. You know, like I said, I mean, you are going to be a Good night, everybody. Good night.